What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Sports Blog New York podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much for tuning in, as always. Yeah, we've taken a little hiatus here on the SBNY podcast because, you know, the holidays and it was just tough with scheduling and getting it out there. Didn't want to put one out too close to Thanksgiving. No one would listen to it. So we're back after a little bit of a week off, week and a half maybe even, and we're here to talk some hoops. We're here to talk some sports, some Knicks, maybe some Nets, but a lot of league-wide NBA stuff. As you know, the football season is going on, but haven't quite had the right guest haven't had the right time to talk NFL. Don't you worry, though. As we come down the stretch here, I want to have my good friends from the Fantasy Football Podcast run up the score on to talk fantasy football strategy going into your playoffs, going into d- daily fantasy mode if you're getting kicked out of your playoffs. Going to talk a lot of football with them. Also, some just regular NFL stuff. I can't wait to talk about some of these best teams as you know the good, the bad, and the ugly have really started to separate themselves and the teams like the Chiefs and the Rams and the Chargers and the Patriots are coming out strong, and the Saints, and some of those other teams like the Blake Bortles-led, I mean Cody Kessler-led Jaguars are falling behind and showing their real colors here. So NFL talk is to come, but today we're going to have another NBA Outsiders episode with my two main men, John Lucas Duffy and Frank Villani, and, and I look forward to it. We're a quarter of the way through the NBA season, and there's a shock full of storylines. I mean, from the teams that are surprising everybody to the teams that are doing as expected to the teams that have been very disappointed, we have examples for all of them. And when I say teams, I also mean players, as some guys have burst on the scene, come out hot in the first quarter. Some guys have lagged behind what you hope from them. So there's a lot to talk about, and we're going to get to it. But as you know, this podcast, the Sports Blog New York podcast, is on iTunes, Apple Podcasts app, Google Play, all that stuff. Everywhere you listen to podcasts, you can probably find the Sports Blog New York podcast. But also, if you don't know by now, or maybe you're listening via this stream, Team Left Jab Radio. You can find us on Team Left Jab Radio. And you might be saying, Team Left Jab, that sounds like boxing or fighting. or What, what are you doing on there? Well... Our friends over at Team Left Jab wanted to add some sports content, some New York sports content to their stream, to their radio network, to their podcast network, and they turned to us and we're happy to have that partnership. So if you're listening to us through them, through Team Left Jab, on Blog Talk Radio, on uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, App, Stitcher, wherever you listen to these, these things, thank you. And don't be afraid to hit that subscribe button, hit that review button. Let us know what you think and give us some feedback because we love doing this podcast. We love talking sports with y'all. And uh, it means nothing more to me than when I hear some feedback from you guys, good, bad, indifferent. Uh, You like me, you don't like me, you like the takes, you like the show. Whatever you want to tell us, I use it all positively to try to get the best out of it and make this show the best it can be. Because that's the real goal, to have some fun and put on a good show. So like I said, a lot of NBA here today, we're going to kind of go through the good, the bad, the predictable. That's going to be our main theme of today's episode because when you think about a team like the Celtics, they've underwhelmed. They've been disappointing. The Utah Jazz the same way. Then you have teams like the Clippers who are putting together a really impressive run of games. But are they really separated from the pack in the Western Conference as it's so tight? And, you know, they're in first place and all, but by just a game or two. And they're just a couple games out of the playoffs. So... It's super tight in the NBA. There's tons of storylines. There's tons of stars showing out. And we're here to give it to you, give it to you straight 
whether you are a diehard NBA fan like us or you just like following NBA Twitter, following the highlights, following through Instagram, hopefully we can help bridge that gap and kind of break down what those statistics you see on Twitter mean or break down some of those takes that you think you might believe in and why. And and that's what we're trying to do here. So we're going to try to have some fun with this here today. But again, thanks so much for listening. Uh, John Lucas Duffy and Frank Villani around the corner joining me. But all you have to do is just go onto that podcast app, make sure you subscribe, make sure you review, and then just sit back, relax. Whether you're on your commute, whether you're in the car on a bus, whether you're sitting at work at your desk, just sit back, relax, do your thing, and listen to the Sports Blog New York podcast. Stay tuned. What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Sports Blog New York podcast. John Lucas, Duffy, Frank Villani, the NBA Outsiders, joining me on today's episode. What up, my guys? What's going on, BD? What up? Oh, man. Oh, man. We're 20 games in, approximate, into the NBA season. A lot of things are happening. A lot of good, a lot of bad, a lot of predictable, as you can guess. But what kind of fits in each bucket, my friends, is maybe a little different than what we expected in the beginning of the season. So I thought it was a nice time for the three of us to sit here on this very fine podcast and talk about some of these teams and some of these players that we've been watching through 20 games through a quarter of the season. Kind of crazy that we're already a quarter of the way through the season. And and just kind of highlight the guys we've been liking and throw some guys we don't like out into the garbage pan where they belong. So that's how we're going to set up this podcast. We're going to bounce around through a lot of stuff on the league or in the league, I should say. And that's kind of a good way to do it because you know what? Duff and Frank and I were talking before the podcast today, and we didn't want to do kind of what's been happening, like quarter season awards. We didn't want to do, we didn't want to just rip off the Bill Simmons podcast with Rosillo and do it all NBA teams. We want to do something a little different, but we still want to touch on a lot of things that are happening across the NBA because, as we know, Duff, the NBA is full of chaos, and that's what makes it great. And this year has been absolutely no different as the Clippers currently lead the Western Conference and uh the Raptors which Speaking is a little, of predictable. a little bit more expected yeah right a little bit more expected the Raptors lead the East and have a nice hold on it um but that's where we're at right now we have the Raptors and we have the Clippers leading each conference respectively so a little crazy stuff man you've been you've been enjoying the season so far though right hell yeah I'm always enjoying the season you know this I can't believe you said like already a quarter of the way I can't believe it's only a quarter of the way I feel like this season started Kind of like last year where it's like started when Kyrie got traded. It started with like a week before training camp when Jimmy Butler was like, nah, I'm just not going to show up. So trade me, I guess. <laughs> so I he, feel like that really kicked off the season and we've been going full throttle since then. So I almost feel a little burnt out already. Honestly, it, Wait, if, if, if Jimmy Butler said what you just said, it actually would have been a lot nicer. <laughs> it would have been so polite, actually. I was just trying to be nice. Hey, uh, I'm not going to show up, so... You know, just just send me to a better team than yours, please. Yeah, I'm going to hang in L.A. where it's warm. Just call me when it's settled. Sorry, Tibbs, but not sorry. Yeah. Frank, what about you, man? You've been enjoying this race? I don't think anybody's ever apologized to Tibbs, first first note. Um, But uh, what was the question? I'm sorry. You've been enjoying yourself during the season so far, man? Uh, Yeah, I feel like a lot of it has gone kind of as expected. I mean, some of the seating right now. Obviously not exactly what you expect in the Western Conference, but it's been a fun season. Some of the guys you expected to show out are showing out. 
uh, a la Nikola Jokic, Giannis, guys like that. So it's fun. It's been fun to watch. And uh, I don't know, man. The younger guys seem to be making more impact year after year. And it's fun to watch. Yeah, Jamal man. Murray, some, of the, some of the young guys out there like, are gunning. It feels like there's a serious change of the guard that's about to happen maybe as soon as next year with these younger guys making a leap. Think about how many really good to great players are under the age of like 27, 28. Like Anthony Davis, Joel Embiid, Carlton Towns, Nikola Jokic, Devin Booker, Kemba Walker. Ah, He might be like 20. I think he might be 28. He's right on the edge. But just like that caliber of player at that age, like Zach Levine, who's blowing up. I mean, say we won like his advanced metrics, but he's the dude balls out. He's fun to watch. Uh, Yeah. He's fun to watch and all, but he could, I could imagine he's frustrating to, to watch every night. Like I watch him every once in a while. Yeah. If you're rooting, like if you're a a bulls fan, it's, it's different optics, I guess. But for me personally on my couch in New Jersey, where I don't really give a fuck, (laughs) it's very enjoyable. Like this is going to be a theme for me on the pod today. You guys are going to hear, uh, but you know he he scores twenty five points a game and all that's really nice. But he takes twenty shots a game like that is a lot. Luckily the Bulls don't have guys who can put the ball in the hoop, so he fills a very important need. But like that's not good. Yeah, but like I'd much rather see him take twenty shots than Cameron Payne even take like five. So. <laughs> that's, so cool that's a good it. point. That's a very good yeah. point. Uh, well, last thing I want to say before we hop into some of this stuff here, I was talking to a buddy of mine who's been trying to get more into the NBA, and what he should really do is listen to this NBA Outsiders podcast and really, really dive deep into some of it. But you know, he's been watching a little more. He's been watching the local teams a little bit, which might suck, but you know, it's still basketball. And I was, I was trying to explain to him, and this goes to Duffy's point that the NBA is like a good TV show, right? And I've used this analogy before, where in a really good TV show your favorite character might not be the main character, right? You might love that second or third guy who comes in for for 20 minutes out of the 40-minute episode, but he's hilarious or he just impacts the show. And also, the first episode and the finale might not be the best episodes of a season. And also, there might be a dead season. Season 7 of Entourage was trash, everyone says, right? But seasons 3 through 5 were legendary. So the NBA is like a good TV show where the season's storylines really go across each other like there's no ending to a storyline for most of these players like Giannis's storyline started you know when he got drafted and then there was a little peak when all of a sudden we're like wow this guy can play and now he's at an even higher peak and it's going to continue across multiple seasons where he's going to be at a level where we can't even really fathom what we're seeing that's why like we love the NBA so much because you can see a guy like Giannis through a four-year span just add things to his game, become that much stronger, that much more fit, and just start dominating the league. And, and that's why I love it, man. Because you can watch a guy in year one, year two, year three, and by year seven, he's so different, so much more mature, or sometimes they're worse, which happens as well. And it just makes for so much intrigue for me. Giannis went from doofy string bean to literal, like, physical freak. Could you imagine the pilot episode of Giannis's TV show where he's just basically in a CYO league game, just yamming on Greek kids left and right, and they're just like, wow, I can't fucking wait till this guy goes to the NBA. 
the the way the camera shot the first season of Giannis was like The Office. It was like all handheld, yes. like shaking around. And now he's just yes. in Game of Thrones with like million dollar budgets. And, and then <laughs> season one ends is like, is this fucking real? Like what? Like is this guy's playing in a church? Is that is this a church league? There's there's no bleachers. Okay, he's trading shoes with his brother. Hmm. Yeah, and then the show gets Middle picked up by Netflix, and all of a sudden they're in the Staples Center. It's like, whoa, that was quick. How did that happen? Mm-hmm. Uh, but let, let's start off with some good stuff here in the NBA. Uh, I want to start off with my good team. We're going to do the good, the bad, the predictable. And my first one that fits the good bucket is the Los Angeles Clippers. I think it's really important to talk about a team like this. Now, it's also important to mention that they are only a half game up on the West. So they're hardly, hardly up on the Western Conference right now. And they're only about two or three games from being out of the playoffs. So it's super tight. It's super early. We get it. But they've been impressive, they've been fun, and they've been doing it without stars. So, to my good theory here for the Los Angeles Clippers, which I was telling you guys about before the pod, and shout out to Chris Vernon from The Ringer, who I don't want to sound like I'm stealing it, but you know what? It's the same It's the same type of theory. The Clippers have no one who sucks. They have a bunch of guys on their team who play their role, who play hard, who play defense, who move the ball or can shoot the ball. And when you see the bottom line for a team and they're plus minus as a team uh, 20 games into the season, it starts to make sense. You're like, wow, the Clippers are, you know, 13 and six on top of the Western Conference. How? Because Tobias Harris is having a career year. Because Montrez Harrell has burst on the scene. Because Boban's a one man wrecking crew for 14 minutes a game. Because Danilo Gallinari is actually healthy and playing basketball. And you look down their lineup and there's like, oh, no one's bad on this team. And it's been fun to watch. I don't know how long it's going to last. I don't know how it's going to translate to a playoff team, but as far as a quarter season review, I mean, this has been one of the best shows on the NBA television right now. Eh, Debatable. You don't think? You haven't enjoyed the Clippers this year. I did. I did enjoy them a lot, like a week and a half ago. And then they got to the number one seed in the West, and I was like, is this it? Like, is this what we're doing? 20 games, like, quarter away through the season? Like, is this what we want to see? Is this what the people want? And this is what Cowherd always talks about on his show. He always reiterates, it's all about stars. Everyone says they want the underdog. Then how come when the underdog makes it to the college championship game, no one gives a shit and the ratings are just terrible? I mean, you are speaking my language with that take. I am a huge proponent of, in the biggest moments, I want the biggest stars. But when we're talking about a full NBA season... And we're talking about it's true, different well, flavor, different like, flavor here. What that? No, I, I hear you though, and I, I agree. And when it comes to playoff times, and we get to the Western Conference Finals, like I want to see the Warriors versus another team with stars. Like I want to see the Warriors versus LeBron, or I want to see the up and coming Nuggets be really feisty, or I want to see who knows the Oklahoma City Thunder playing hard nosed defense, which is their identity now, which is weird to say out loud. Maybe they're going to be a, a team that has a formula to stop the Warriors. I don't know. In that moment, in the Western Conference Finals, that's what I want. But right now, when I turn on League Pass every night and I want to click a game, I want to see the Clippers play any other team that's good because it's going to be a game, and it's going to be tight, and they might just come out on top, and I'm into that. Montrez Harrell's it's been gonna be a dog fight. very fun. Yeah, it's somebody I did not expect to have uh, such an impact in the NBA as he had because he's kind of undersized. For a big man, but uh, he's pretty athletic and he holds his own. He's a pretty smart basketball player. 
And I think you were telling us before the pie's got the best plus minus on that team, right? Well, yeah, it's not strictly plus minus. It's like some NBA math.com metric called total points added. And it takes, you know, box plus minus with some other matchup metrics and things of that nature. Um, but yeah, it's it's in in very short terms, it's kind of a plus minus accumulated across the season for offense and defense, and he is the most effective according to this metric on the Clippers. Yeah, so that's like pretty interesting to me. I didn't expect that. Um, I, I also did not even like I wouldn't have put the Clippers even in the top half of the West. So obviously, this is like unexpected and unheralded but at the same time it kind of lends itself to that theory you mentioned earlier like they really don't have any guys that suck like you go up and down that roster and all the guys that play you're like yeah that guy can play you know and then when we talk about some of these teams that are going to fit the bad bucket you kind of realize that there are four or five guys sometimes three sometimes two but there's these guys who really just get on the court and don't quite belong against other good talent. And let's think back to last year, before the season started, when Blake Griffin was still a Clipper, and Danilo gets signed, and Milos Teodosic gets signed. We don't know what he is all about yet. Uh, Patrick Beverly just gets sent over there. And God, all, I was so hyped for Milos. Right, and we actually had some... Guy ripping darts and eating cheeseburgers every morning. <laughs> like, oh my God, that's exactly what the NBA needed. We actually, Everyone's going on a plant-based diet. He's just like, nah, it's probably just in and out every meal, I guess. <laughs> he looks like the human equivalent of a cheeseburger, just like greasy <laughs> and loose and messy. He's like a half a cheeseburger smoking a bogue on the side that of a garbage can. Classic Euro nerd. He's oh. like a McDonald's burger with a cigarette in between two of the uh, patties. <laughs> but yo, for real though, think back to last season when we're doing our predictions and all. We're like, yo, the Clippers had Danilo. If he's healthy, like Blake and Gallinari can handle the ball, point forward, whatever. They don't need Chris Paul. They still have DeAndre Jordan. We're like, this team can do something. And then they were fine. They fought. They almost made the playoffs. But they're actually doing now what we kind of thought they would be last year when they're putting the ball in these point forwards' hands like Tobias Harris, Gallinari, and also shout-out Shea Gilders-Alexander, a rookie who's been playing damn well. So the Clippers are like the the hipster team, the ragtag team of misfits that are doing the damn thing, and it's not going to last as a one seed, but do you guys expect them to be a fourth seed, a five seed, maybe six by the end of the year? I, I think that feels pretty good to say out loud. Uh, I think they could finish top four. I don't know. I'm not comfortable saying it, but I guess it's possible for sure. I mean, they're in first place right now. Punching up in this, like in this Western Conference, we brought it up a couple weeks ago when we were talking about the Rockets. Like digging yourself into a hole early against all these teams who are just like a, a lot of them are going to get better as the season goes, and they just kind of figure themselves out. A la the Thunder, who started like zero three or zero like whatever it was, and they've just been ripping off wins ever since. Or the Nuggets who stumbled, but then now we go into they're fourteen and seven and they just beat the shit out of the Lakers. So every every game is going to be a dogfight. There are no gimmies in the West. Like absolutely one. All right, there's one. The Suns. One gimme in the West. <laughs> That's as much as it pains me to say. It. Your son. That's it sons. though. Please That's it. it. Like that. So one one through fourteen is like a tough game and pretty evenly matched. So what do you do? What do you, what do you do at this point? Like, how do you make a run if you're five games back? Like that just seems like so much. 
Well, the thing is, the like the Houston Rockets are five team five games back right now. They're the second worst like team. Listen to this. You out say loud. only five, but like, oh, winning five games in a row in this Western Conference, like I can't even imagine that. Oh, hundred percent. But to your point, though, Duff. Like, you're saying how the Clippers are going to be a hard team to beat. Every night's a dogfight. Like, imagine being the Dallas Mavericks and holding with, like, your tightest grip with just your fingertips to a half-game lead on the eighth seed. And all of a sudden, actually, this is a really bad example because they just went in and smoked Houston. (laughs) But this is a bad example. But I'm saying, imagine you turn around with your half-game lead on your eighth seed and you have to go face James Harden. Like, that's a that's a tough game. My man still puts up thirty and eight every night. So we're t- we're talking regular season still. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, it's dangerous. Like you're the Pelicans and you're Anthony Davis and you're like, all right, we're playing pretty well. We have a pretty solid offense right now. Our defense not quite where we want it to be. All right, let's we have, we got to go play Utah. Like, oh what? Oh man, that's not that's not easy. You got to go play the Spurs. Oh my God, we got to play Pop System. That's a pain in the ass. You know, like that's to your point though. Like it's tight, top to bottom. So what about a, like a bad? So we did. You're good. The Clippers, number one. Frank, you're bad. You should. We just we just talked about them briefly. Let's flesh that out right now while we while we have it here. Let's get that out of the way. Yeah, just throw, disgusting right, throw it on me. About. Hit me with your right, bad. Yeah, Frank. I, I like this because this is this is the opportunity for me and Duff to team up on Pete here. But my bad is 100%. the Rockets, bro. Uh, and they're bad just because they're not as good as everybody thought they would be, and. They have two not even superstar close. guys. Yeah, no, it's it's not even close. But they have two superstar guys, and uh, they let important you know role pieces walk, and they're just nowhere near the same team they were last year. And I know I said it last week or whenever we last recorded, but um, they were a team last year that was specifically built to beat the Warriors, and it just worked. And I feel like this year the team, you know. Yeah, they still have two stud superstars, and they still have an identity, but it's not a good one or not as good as it was last year. So it hurts them overall. And just like we, I guess we expected Chris Paul to turn around, but Did we? And Eric Gordon, but like I don't know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of definitely subscribed to the theory that Eric Gordon could be past the the part of his career where he could have that impact that he did last year. I think that might have been, you know, the end of it or, you know, the prime of it, the top of it, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, And, I mean, Chris Paul, too. I mean, he's old. He's not going to be, you know, the Chris yeah. Paul that we saw five years ago, three years ago. But he's still I mean, the two an things... above-average point guard for sure. Like, probably borderline Hall up. Not Hall of Fame. Uh, borderline All-Star by the time it comes. So The the – thing that those two players have in common Chris Paul and Eric Gordon injury history injury like there was like a two-year span where Eric Gordon just couldn't play in the beginning of his career because he kept hurting his knees and so that's going to come around on the back end to hurt you he's been really productive over the last few years but what is that going to do to the longevity of his career those early injuries on the back end of it like that that might be where we see it the most and it could be happening right now so is it going to deteriorate? Is it going to just fall down the well here at this point? And same thing with Chris Paul. He played he played uh, 82 games, all 82 in the 2014-15 season. Then he played 74, 61, 58 last year. He's played 15 so far this year. He's missed six games already. And they six? were a Chris Paul hamstring away from from a, a, a finals chance. Yep, and they look, were, that look, was it. 
That was their window. Like Bill Simmons kept harping on that over the summer and that like towards the end of last season, like this is, this is their window. They have to do it now. I don't know about next year. You look at Chris Paul, he's going to get older. I mean, he was shot. Like he was a hundred percent right about that. It seems because you really think Chris Paul's going to get healthier as the season goes, like with this supporting cast around them and James Harden, who's the guy who won the MVP, like, how motivated is he going to be to like get his mind right and really make a push like that again? I don't know. Let me interject he's never here. Been that guy has been super motivated. I feel like he has been because he wanted that MVP. And let me interject here for a second because if you listen to what two weeks ago, uh, me and Frank made a wager live on the podcast. I kind of went all in on the Rockets that they were going to still be viable come playoff time, and our wager was. Uh, that the Rockets will win a first-round playoff series, and if they don't, I have to pay for the League Pass subscription next year, which I, I don't feel great about right now, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not I'm not wavering from it. I'm still sticking with it, but I'm upset with myself because with two other teams that are in similar boats, maybe even three other teams in similar boats, I think I was pretty close to spot on for and that's the Utah Jazz and the Philadelphia 76ers. When we did our over-under pod, I went under on the Jazz, who are my Jazz. I love them for since Darren Williams back in the day running stuff with Carlos Bozer and whatnot. But I went under on the Jazz. I went under on the Sixers. And you guys kind of were like, wait, what? Like, wait, why? How? Like, why do you think they're going to go under? And I, my reasoning was they had this such a strong run at the end of last year. They were so good. They went deep in the playoffs that they're they're not having the championship hangover, but they're going to have less motivation than, for example, the Nuggets, who were on the outside looking into the playoffs. And I should have applied that same exact theory to the Houston Rockets. Both of those teams, the Jazz and the Sixers, did little to nothing to get better over the year other than their young players growing. And the Rockets did things to get worse. So the fact that I was so all-in on the Rockets was so based off of Harden and Chris Paul and Clint Capella, and that was probably not good enough because I just opened this I opened this podcast saying how important it is to have a full roster of guys who don't suck. And I watched the Houston Rockets, and they have a bunch of guys who don't have an identity on the court yet, and they have a bunch of guys who can't knock down open shots. And if I applied the same theory to the other teams and was fair to Harden, Paul, and that Rockets squad— I would have went the same way with them, but I was blinded by the hard and light. And I, I may have been off in that prediction, but that being said, like there is still faith for me in this team when they are healthy. Chris Paul will likely get healthy at some point. They're going to look great. They're going to rattle off a 10-game win streak, but then by playoffs, they'll be unhealthy again. And that's kind of what makes me nervous now about the Rockets is there will be a stretch where they're really good and they are healthy, but what are the odds they're healthy come May? Not great. Wow. And remember, at that point, our last pod was somewhere around the 13th or 14th of November, and there was an eight-game stretch that started with the Golden State Warriors and finished with San Antonio. It's going to be on Friday of this week. And I was like, you want to show me you're for real? Like, you got to go five and three in that stretch or something like that. And you have to beat beat the Warriors and you have to beat the Spurs. And you said that they were going to go six and two. Right now, they're one game away from finishing. They're three and seven, or three and four. 
Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, and you said you, it was actually the Pistons. They had Pistons back to back, and the yeah, Kings. yeah. I said, yeah. You want to prove for me you're real? You beat the Pistons back to back. You said you beat the Kings, beat the Pistons back to back, and they couldn't beat the Pistons back to back. They just couldn't do it. They didn't have the firepower. They didn't have the energy. They didn't have the defense that they had last year, and that's really the big thing too. A lot of people out here on NBA Twitter, out here who don't really watch the league, who kind of just follow it or keep a finger on it, they love to say how no one plays defense. They love to how, say how the league is soft and love all this, all this stuff, all this. All these mainstream takes that you hear from people who don't truly love the NBA, I don't care about that take because even in a league where defense isn't as easy to play, it still means something when you are matched up against your peers and you're better at defense than them. So, yeah, the defense of 2018-19 is not the same as 04-05, but if you're 24th in 18-19, you're still 24th in the league on half of the basketball game. So it matters. It still matters. It just may be different. Yep. And guys, you want to talk about guys who don't suck versus guys who do? Devin Harris, 20 points in 15 minutes, plus 29 on the floor. Okay? Plus 29 in 15 minutes. Like tonight against the Rockets, who got 20 piece by the Mavs. Like, good God. And uh, I wonder how many people just heard Devin Harris's name and said, wait, what? He's, He's in the league? And he's still on the Mavs? That's crazy. Couldn't Darren Williams for Devin Harris? That's a steal. Take Darren. I don't even want him. <laughs> oh my god! Disgusting. Retrospectively, probably not wrong. So maybe this will be something we do at the end of the podcast here. But we have to look at this Western Conference and start maneuvering some of these teams. And we gotta we gotta play yes or no later on yes in the playoffs, no out of the playoffs. Because let's start right now. Uh, let's start right now. I don't want to start now because. We have more people and more teams to talk about in both conferences. Right, but, but this this will fit in. Let's start right now. Sacramento Kings. No. That's one of Frank's good teams. They're not in the playoffs. All right, Frank, they're one of your good teams. Take the floor. Why have you liked the Kings so far? Do, and do they make the playoffs, yes or no? So I'll answer Duff's question first. No. No, they don't make the playoffs. The good part about the Kings this year is that they're, they're – I, I don't want to be so crude, but I'm going to be they're, – they're blowing the load early. They're they're showing what you know what the talent, all the young talent and the draft picks they've acquired through these trades. Like they're showing their potential to me. They're showing not a ceiling, but you know maybe near what it could be when these guys are established and what they can do in their game and confidence and things like that. But guys like Buddy Heel, De'Aaron Fox, uh, and, and even like the side pieces like Willie Cauley Stein, Josh Jackson have been have been having good years to start this year. And no, I don't think they make the playoffs, especially not in the West. They lack the depth, they lack the experience, and all that stuff. But they are, you know, they've gone a long way since last year. Last year they were a slouch, a team that you wanted to face an easy, you know, an easy dub. This year they've turned that around. They're definitely not an easy dub. I think as the season goes on, they will definitely get worse in terms of record. But for a team that's so young, I don't think that's a negative thing. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think. I think I would like to see the Knicks perform at a similar level to the Kings, just in terms of the way they compete every night and things of that nature. Sustainability, yeah, I don't think it's there. Um, But, yeah, I think that's been a pretty bright spot on the season so far. Uh, And I think definitively we could say that the Kings didn't lose that trade with the Pelicans in which they received Buddy Heald and some draft picks. Some would say they won it. 
Hmm. I think I personally would. I mean, I mean let's be they real, though. They weren't going like, anywhere with Boogie, and they acquired Buddy Heald, who's having kind of a breakout year, kind of showing his value. Uh, and they got some draft picks. I don't know exactly who they turned out to be, but I know their draft picks in the recent years have become guys who produced for them either, you know, Bogdan Bogdanovich or De'Aaron Fox or Josh Jackson. All those guys have been contributing Marvin Bagley. pieces to his team. Even Marvin Bagley, who I was pretty low on in the draft. Well, Josh so, Jackson's yeah. on the Suns, but yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who's, who am I thinking of? The guy Ju- Justin Jackson. Oh, Justin Jackson. Yeah, yeah. That's who I'm thinking of, yeah. I apologize for the name mix-up, but. Uh, he's been pretty good, man. He's, and, a, he's an NBA player for sure. And you know what, Frank, to your point, you just went on a little tangent highlighting why the Kings have been a good story this year and they belong in that that good story bucket, right? You didn't even really mention De'Aaron Fox and how good he's been in his second he's year so in the fun. league. So he's been extremely fun. He's been electric. He's been putting up points, slinging some amazing passes. His energy is fantastic. So you just kind of went on a tangent that was all based off fact and very true without mentioning possibly their brightest spot of the year, which goes to show that they've been putting in work this year. And it's only it's only shown off to be a 500 record. But for the Kings, I mean, that's pretty damn good. They, that's like, a, above <laughs> yeah, well, like, when was it? You, you mentioned them being in the good story bucket. When was the last time they were? Chris Webber? Exactly. Mm, like, Peja Stojakovic? Yeah. Yeah, that, I would say Peja. The, the, literally, the last time they lost to the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals was the last time they were remotely relevant. So, uh, you know, something to keep your eye on. You guys know I'm pretty high on De'Aaron Fox, or at least I was. I think we all are well. at this point. Yeah. How could you? Mean, how could you not be? He yeah. is so fun. He reminds me of watching Kemba Walker in college, where Kemba, like, no matter what happened, he was just like always smiling. Like he was smiling all the time when he played. He just had such a positive energy to watch. And as a fan, like it, it was, it was fun. Like you saw him having fun, so you were having fun, and you just keep rooting for this guy because he's just out there loving the game. Like that's how I feel when I watch De'Aaron Fox. And let's just let's just hear the stat line real quick: seventeen points, four rebounds, eight assists on thirty-eight uh, percent from three. Like what? That's that is damn good. That is very impressive for a guy who couldn't really shoot last year. Yeah, and he's only shooting. He's shooting sixty-eight percent from the free throw line, which is not great. But he's getting six attempts from the line a game, which is good. That's what you want. I mean, the the free throws will come. I like he he can obviously shoot. Like he has some some feel to it. Like it's just a matter of refining that and repeating it and just practicing. He's going to get better at shooting every year at this point. Agreed. So as long as he's getting to the right spots, getting open shots, and continues to get to the free throw line even more if he can i mean if his usage rate just keeps going up as he can do more things we'll see how it goes but it's interesting uh frank that you mentioned the knicks and how you wanted them to be a little bit more like the kings because that's actually a team i feel good about i feel good about watching the knicks i i like for people who listen to this show last year i could not talk enough shit about the knicks i just couldn't i don't know what it was i just could not stop doing it but this year, it's been way more fun, and I think it's just the attitude around the team. And we harped on Fizdale being the guy who was going to initiate that and really show these young players, a lot of whom are lottery pick castaways, a la Trey Burke, uh, Mario Hazonia, Noah Vonley, guys like that. Now you see them playing with energy, and you know what? They don't have a ton of skill like... Hazonia can't do much. Like the guys out there with sleeves on, but sometimes he gets hot 
and it's a, and it's a little fun to watch. Like tonight against the Sixers, he came out real hot. Six, I mean, Sixers blew him out, but that was that was fun to watch for me to watch the zone. You do some stuff out there. Enos Cantor, who's a, like a a player that I feel good about, also when he puts up twenty twenties, like I just don't get it. How people think he just sucks all the time. You put up a twenty twenty, and it's like not surprising to me. I feel like you're at least a decent player. Am I wrong? Like yeah, I, I just sure. um. It's baffling how people are always just like on his case. The dude's a refugee from his own country, and he's just out here not giving a fuck. Yeah, and I to me that's like the most admirable thing about Enos Cantor is like uh, he's he's Turkish, right? The Turkish president is like yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty corrupt dude, and like has told him not to come back to the country. And Enos Cantor's response is like, "Fuck you, dude! I'm never coming back to the country anyway. I'm a millionaire in America playing basketball." Like <laughs> he's like, "Oh no, I have to stay in America. Like, I can't go back to you. Turkey." Like and to me, that's like beyond sports admirable. Like you know as just like a, a character of a man, I guess, or something like that. But right. uh, I, I say this time and time again when I talk about the Knicks, there's two guys on this team that I think any team in the NBA would take. Uh, it's Tim Hardaway and Enos Cantor. Just, now, I, I don't think that they would be starters or necessarily huge impact guys on you know championship caliber and playoff caliber teams, but I think they are 100% rotational guys that can hold their own on a championship or a playoff team like uh, the Warriors would be remiss if they had a guy like Tim Hardaway Jr. who can come off the bench and chuck a little bit, or even a guy like Enos Cantor who can, you know, hopes to cure boards until Boogie's back. So, um, yeah, I mean, there definitely is more good for the Knicks this year than there have been in, in probably the past two. Um, and I hate Tim Hardaway. Still, I'm just going to throw waiting. that out there. Well, we're honestly, still waiting on, we're still waiting on Porzingis, man. It's, it's only going to get better. And honestly, just to throw it out there with Tim and Enos, what makes people have such negative opinions on them is that they're making so much money. Like, that is the main reason why. And, uh, Duff, you mentioned Colin Cowherd earlier. That's, that's not it for me, by the way. I'm just going to throw that out there. That's but fine. Go ahead. You go mentioned ahead. Cowherd, and you just made me think of something he said on his show on uh, on Wednesday. He's talking about you never feel like you overpaid for something that you really that you use a lot, or you never feel like you overpaid for something that you really love. And... You know, Tim Hardaway is not something that we love, but we use him a lot. So is he overpaid? Probably a little bit. But if he was on a team with a good impact, like, and he wasn't being making quite as much money, like, people would love Tim Hardaway. And if he was on a good team, you'd maybe see what he can do in pressurized situations. But it goes to show with the Knicks that the past two nights, stuff you said you've enjoyed watching them. Past two nights, they've been brutal to watch. And Tim Hardaway's played really bad. So even now, you look at metrics and his defensive uh, analytics are pretty bad. He fills such an important need for them for literally just putting the ball in the hoop, whether it be very efficient, efficient, or not efficient. The Knicks can't put the ball in the hoop that well every single night. And when he's scoring 24, it don't matter if he took 20 shots or 12, he just put 24 points on, on the board. That wouldn't have happened without him. So it has been fun to watch the Knicks. And I think another reason why, Duff, you mentioned that they're in the good bucket for you right now is that they're actually riding or dying with their guys who are going to matter in the future or you got to learn aren't going to matter in the future. What you hated last year so much, Frank, you said it was a fire up. Frank, I'm Freudian slip. Duff, you said you hated Jeff Hornacek because he wasn't playing Frank Nielakina. Hated him. Hated him for it. And what did that do to Frank this year? He came in maybe with less confidence. He maybe came in with less feel for the game because he got neutered by a coach who was 
coaching for his job. Fisdale has come in and empowered some of these young guys. Alonzo Trier, Mitchell Robinson are playing key minutes. Kevin Knox is still coming back from that injury. Not hasn't been the same since. But these young guys are going to ride or die for the Knicks season this year. And all in all, if the Knicks end up with a horrible record, but some positive came out for certain players and a good draft pick came out for the whole team, that is a successful year in today's NBA for a bad team. Yeah, and a lot of these games they lose, it's competitive. It's close. They play with energy. They just don't have anyone to finish on the stretch, Like unless Hardaway goes unconscious. or uh, what, what was the game where I was texting Trey you guys Burke like crazy? The Celtics. Was that against the Celtics? Yeah. No, no, no. It was the game after that. Oh, Memphis? Shoot. I got to look this up. Pelicans. Pelicans. The Knicks yes. beat the Celtics, Pelicans, and Memphis back to back to back, by the way. Like, yes. Last, that like, was like an unreal stretch. <laughs> last that week, was so exciting. It feels very different after they just got demoralized by the Pistons by and the absolutely Sixers, yeah. smoked by the Sixers. Yeah. The, the, it was the Wells Fargo was so flat tonight because everyone was like, yeah, Knicks, I guess. And it was just like they just handled it. Anyway, anyway, back to that Pelicans game where Alonzo Trier was just like going off and Hardaway was like, he started the game with like 0 for 11 or something. He made like one shot, didn't attempt any free throws. But Trier is like going off towards the end and then it gets down to like the last minute and they need a bucket and they give it like Hardaway to his credit. He gets the inbound. He dribbles it right over to Trier, who's like kind of going away from him. Like this is a thing that bothered me and was a little scary. Like I know Trier's a rookie, but in that moment, you can't be thinking about that. You got to be like, I'm the guy right now. I'm the one who's making shots. I need to be the one who takes take the ball, and he did. He takes it, tries to like call someone else to to grab it, but finally sets a screen. He comes over to the mid range, doesn't have a shot, throws to Moody at the end of the shot clock, who airballs violation. But then, fast forward like thirty seconds, Moody is the guy closing the game out. What did he close out? Like six straight free throws. Yeah, well, he had, a, he had a nice reverse layup uh, right yep. near right near Anthony Davis. And I think he got a steal to on a breakaway. Or yeah. maybe Hardaway got it, and then he threw it up to Moutier. Anyway, but it it's just like you put young players in such an empowered position like Trier, and like he's not ready for the moment, oh well. But Moutier steps right up, and he's not a great free throw shooter, but he ices the game for you. Like That's what you want to see if you have a young team. You want to see, you want to see guys step up at the end of games and not be afraid. You want to see competitive losses. You know, like that's... I, I work with a Knicks fan, and he's like, oh, it's just so demoralizing because, like, I yeah, I know they need a draft pick, but I hate rooting for them to lose and blah, blah, blah. I was like, it's it's like a fine line. Like, you want to see competitive losses. And that's for why sure. and that's why you bet the Knicks with the spread when they're plus nine every night and hope that they cover but lose. Yes. Speaking <laughs> speaking, <night>. speaking <laughs> well, for a well, friend. One though. quick point, too, though. <laughs> Moutier low-key thick. He's always been chubby. He's got some baby fat. <laughs> <laughs> He's low key thick. It's true. He's low got some key. body to him. Yeah. Um, Definitely not built like the other point guards in the league. No, not at all. Uh, and you know what? Actually, it's a good segue, uh, Frank. I appreciate you saying that because I want to talk about another point guard in the league. A guy who kind of reminds me 
of what Frank could be one day in the league. We're talking about Frank Nielakina, not Frank Villani on this podcast. Sorry, Frank, you're not going yeah, to the league. Nah, nah, you talk about me. <laughs> yeah. Yo, Frankie Smokes wishes his shot was as wet as Frank Villani's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For, honestly, the way he's shooting this year, he, he might be thinking that. Um, but I, I think Frank Nielakina could be a guy like this. And I try to remember, I mean, I try to remind people that point guards specifically can take a very long time to develop in this league. He's only 20. But people don't want to hear that after a certain amount of time of seeing him air ball shots or seeing him shoot 28% from three or just be a zero on offense. People don't want to hear it. But this guy who I'm talking about, who reminds me of the way Frank could be in the league, has been awesome this year. And you guys know I love him. You made fun of me for hyping him up last year before he got hurt. But he's back. Oh my I made so much fun of you. You made, you made fun of me for saying this guy's a top five-ish point guard in the league. And now he's back on the Memphis Grizzlies, and Mike Conley has been awesome. And the Memphis Grizzlies are extremely hard to beat. In fact, they are winning games. Mike Conley is averaging 20 points, 35% from three, which is probably below his career average. And he's also averaging you know, a, a measly six assists, four rebounds a game, and plays some of the best defense out of a point guard position in the entire league. And it goes to show when a team basically has no offseason other than getting one guy back healthy and one draft pick of a 19-year-old, and all of a sudden they're back to being the Grizzlies that we've seen for the past eight years. I mean, this guy Mike Conley has come back and made this team relevant again, might have this team in the playoff hunt come May or whenever the playoffs start. And I don't think this guy will ever get the credit he deserves I'm here to give it to him. This guy, Mike Conley, is a baller. His floater game is ridiculous. He he can hit shots in the clutch. He gets everybody involved. He's such a team player, and he gets zero love, and you guys are the biggest culprits of hating on Mike Conley. It's whoa, just not It's just whoa. not fair. It's just not fair. I'm not being thrown in this this pile with Duff. I'm not a Mike Conley hater. Whoa. I am. Whoa. Duff, I, don't, I honestly, I don't understand your hatred for Mike Conley because I know how you play basketball and you would be deadly with a Mike Conley of a New Jersey men's league. I'm just saying. You would be running pick and pops, getting open shots all day. He'd feed you in the high post. Like he he's he's the opposite of a me guy and every team would love to play with this dude. I mean he does everything right on the court. I think that's true. I think I would actually definitely uh I want to make a couple quick points. I won't be long-winded on Mike Conley because... Because I already did. I'm sorry. You don't deserve it. <laughs> well, no. Uh, but I, I definitely subscribe more to the theory uh, that you've laid out there, Pete. I, I, I'm a Mike Conley fan. Um, basically, I, I know the moment I became a Mike Conley fan specifically, he's played a, an entire playoffs until they were eliminated with plantar fasciitis and was still the best player on the team. And, you know, was still putting up numbers and doing Mike Conley-esque things, even though he had a pretty debilitating injury. Um, but to me, that was, you know, like just tough and admirable. Uh, but the other point I wanted to make, uh, easily the coolest haircut in the league. Easily. Swag. Not, not even close. Not even close. Uh, rebuttal. Drew Holiday and his uh, headband. Pretty nah. pretty swag, too, but uh, he don't have the not locks. Close. He don't got the locks yeah. that Conley's got. Conley also I mean, that's has true. a hair tie as well, so it's not like he just has the hair and no accessory as well. He's got a little tie up in that. Piece. I just think the tie around headband is just so. I love it. I'm a big fan of that. I mean, Duff, you just just riddle me this, right? The Memphis Grizzlies 
team outside of Marcus All, Jaron Jackson, and Mike Conley include Kyle Anderson, Shelvin Mack, Garrett Temple, Dylan Brooks, Marshawn Brooks, and the guy's like, still in the league. Yeah, he's still in. He's oh, back. No, in well, the league. no, 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 because he left and went to China, and yeah. he's back in the league. Right, oh, Wayne God. Selden and Jamichael Green. Like, where is the talent on that team? That don't sleep on Garrett Temple. Uh, Garrett Temple's oh. been a very nice player this year. And you don't think he looks better or looks relevant because of a guy named Mike Conley and Marcus All being back in the mix? Like, I think he's helpful. You know what I think it is? I think, I think, my Conley haterade is just like a product of guilty by association. I hate watching the Grizzlies. I just always have. It's just I don't want to watch grit and grind. If I want to watch grit and grind, I'd go watch football. Okay. It's fucking basketball. Let's run up and down. Let's shoot some shots. Let's, you know, show time. I'm all about that. Fast pace. And, then, like, they slow it down. They got to give it a Gasol. They got to – he backs it down for, like, a turnaround. He backs it down for a hook. Okay, he backs it down again. Okay, there's weak side action for Conley. And then he's got – like, we got to go through so much shit. Like, oh, my God, just shoot it. Just shoot it. It's just frustrating to watch, like, when I'm seeing everything else and it's like – the rest of the league's on speed, and they're just like chilling. They're straight the rest, edge. The rest of the league's coked up, and the Grizzlies are just out yeah. there. But like high, the other thing, this guy's never averaged more than twenty points. He's never averaged more than six assists. Like he, he is like the argument is more based around his chemistry. I think is is I think is what he, your your point is, which well, I agree with. He's you. not one of those guys who's just gonna hammer the ball into the ground until an assist opportunity comes in. Like he he's not Russell Westbrook in that in that aspect. Yeah. Like he's yeah. the, he's yeah, the he's anti actually probably the anti he's the anti yeah. yes yeah, yes which should be he your favorite player in the league wow though. which is like the, the biggest argument for why I should love him that's great <laughs> I think I think if Mike Conley wasn't a part of grit and grind and his come up in the NBA was a little bit more normal and he wasn't playing next to Tony Allen for five years like you would probably have a better feel on him I'm just saying like because. He, I think you're right. He's a I very likable player. I'm thinking player. about it now. You got me thinking about it. You know what though? He I'm might be a little boring. He might be. I'm not going to argue that, but. Guy's good, and that this is not deniable. Yeah. Um, another player that I think is a little unsung here, and this is my good player, besides Enos Cantor, I roped in with the Knicks, TJ Warren. Like, we, Pete and I have specifically, I, Frank, I don't know about you, but Pete and I remember specifically discussing TJ Warren for years about how this guy just gets buckets. Like, on a really bad team, he's never shot the three well at all. Uh, he's like, he's basically a career 25% three point shooter before this season. Guess what his percentage is. Do you like, do you guys know what it is? Nope. Maybe not. Guess 38, 44.6 from three Who knew? on four attempts a game. Well, it's only four, but that's, that's good. That's really, it's good. only four, but like think, think he's never averaged more than one and a half. Wow. So his, his attempts have more than doubled and his, Percentage is essentially doubled. And this guy never shot outside of like 18 feet ever. And now he's being like actually an efficient and productive player, effective field goal percentage of 58%. I've always loved to watch TJ Warren. He is one of my sons who is on the Suns. And I think they need to start building a super team or they they need to come to Phoenix. I don't know who Kevin Durant. I don't know why you're not in Phoenix already. <laughs> yeah, right. You forced the trade. Literally 20 minutes ago, we were saying that they're they're the only bad team in the West. They're the only team. I know that was, <laughs> that was so ridiculous. Devin Booker said he's like, Psh, I'm not losing anymore. Playoffs next year. It's like, wow, you guys are actually the only team that hasn't taken any steps forward. 
Yeah, it's insane. Literally, you know what would be crazy if they just like actually gotten a wing player who could handle a ball and distribute instead of a center who just doesn't play defense. And that thing about extended shooting was just like a pure myth. Shade. It's pure myth. That's it's sh- like that's as, straight if shade. If only I hadn't said that. Duff. He's attempted like one three this year. Two. I apologize, DeAndre Ayton. In case you were wondering who I was talking about, I I wasn't. Uh, maybe other people were. And just to wrap that all the way around you were also alluding to some guy playing for dallas mavericks who's 19 european and happens to be really good at basketball he happens to be really good at basketball it's crazy who would have thunk who would have thunk this guy the mvp (laughs) of the second best league in the world would be good at basketball at the age of 18 that's for sure it's really 19. crazy. To, to Luka Doncic is only he's only nineteen. Can we get that going for Luka now? This I year? don't know. I think the Tatum crowd is just really outweighing that. Like they're just well, really... Tatum's still nineteen, so I guess that's... Tatum's apparently nineteen forever. Like he's never yep. going to not be nineteen. It's crazy. Um, I don't want it any other way. Actually, that's weird. Let's actually let's talk about the Celtics really quickly because just quick. I don't just think because he's actually not on any of our lists. But yeah, I was gonna say none of us uh, when we prepped for this little show here, we didn't mention the Celtics as the bad or the predictable or obviously not the good. So let's talk about them super duper quickly here. They've been they've been bad. They've been bad for their standards. They've been average if we didn't have any expectations for them. Uh their defense is still pretty solid, but there's a lot missing on the offensive end. One reason has been Jalen Brown. Actually that might have been one of my bets. Is that my bet? Ah, oh, how about that? Shout well, I, out. I segued to my own pick without even realizing. My bad hey, player. You must work for a radio station or something. <laughs> yeah, right. My bad player for this season so far is Jalen Brown. A massive disappointment in his uh, third season? Third season. Third. His offense is horrible. He doesn't have the defensive intensity that he showed last year. He seems to be one of the guys who isn't happy with his lack of touches. And it's kind of shown. Um, so there's two things that could happen for Jalen Brown. Three things, actually. One... He can figure this out and turn it around, and maybe he's just starting the year slow. Two, he continues to sulk and makes it really hard for this team to be successful and crushes his trade value. Three, Boston can get him the hell out as soon as December 15th hits and make a big trade, including Jalen Brown, one of their draft picks, and we can see a new Jalen Brown on a new team and a new and improved Celtics with less mouths to feed. So which one is it? I don't know, but the Celtics got some splaining to do. I didn't have them on my list because I feel like it was a little straightforward. It's too many guys. They just have too many guys because everyone proved themselves last year. Everyone was like, all right, this is a year. We're going to have a lot of guys on this team. I need to prove myself that I earn minutes, blah, blah, blah. And you know what? They all earned minutes, all of them. They all earned their minutes last year. And now there's just not enough minutes to go around. Like, this is the only one ball argument that everyone was having all the time with Golden State or the Rockets or the Thunder over the past few years. Now, like, the Celtics, when everyone was, no one mentioned it. No one was like, there's only one ball. Everyone said Brad Stevens to figure out, including me. No one saw this coming. It's just so bizarre to me that now they've all proven that they deserve these minutes and everyone's mad that they're not getting enough minutes or shots or whatever. And it seemed like everything fell into place when Jalen Brown wasn't playing against the Pelicans. They Beat them by, let's say like twenty seventeen somewhere in that range. I think it was twenty four to one hundred seven, and everyone who was supposed to have a good game had had a good game in terms of scoring. Like 
Kyrie Irving had 20 plus. I think he had 26. Tatum had 24. Horford had 20. And then Mark Marcus Smart was like, "All right, yeah, you guys go do all that. I'm just gonna like beat the shit out of their guards and play sick defense. And you guys don't worry about anything. Just put the ball in the hoop." And that was it. It's like everything just fell into place and everyone knew exactly what they were supposed to do because Marcus Smart had like a really defined role. Everyone knew, okay, I don't have to worry about that. I can put all my effort into this. And that is like a domino effect in that sense. So I don't know who they're trading with. I don't know what they potentially need. I like people have thrown around the idea like they could put together a package that's going to be better than anyone else for Bradley Beal, right? But I don't know if he essentially solves their problem because wouldn't that just be a better version of Jalen Brown and now every like Tatum's pissed that he's not getting enough shots? So it, it feels like I, I don't know who they need. It's it, That's the thing I can't – I'm spinning my wheels on. Well, Bradley Beal will presumably hit his shots at least, you know, which would help solve the problem. Of Jalen Brown. I don't know, but isn't he shooting like 32% from three so far this year? Or 33? Like, he hasn't been shooting better. He hasn't looked at the numbers, so it doesn't matter. Would you say he doesn't look at the numbers? All right, well, I look at the numbers. So he's shooting 33.8%, and he's shooting 46% overall. It's not bad. But, um, I don't know. I kind of, I I don't disagree with you like that is that, that is part of the fault of this team, but I, I disagree that it's the main fault for this team right now. I think what they, the too many guys, too many guys. Yeah, I think their main problem right now is they lack a leader. They're just like Kyrie is not a good leader. There's no way you can spin it to me that he is. Um, Al Horford looks like he wears eyeliner, so he's not a leader. <laughs> um, Right. Uh, I don't know, like, the, the two guys that I think of on that team when I think of, like, a leadership type of character, I think of Marcus Smart, who, in the grand scheme of things, basketball-wise, probably isn't good enough that other guys will just blindly follow him into the fray like the Warriors do with Draymond. It feels um, like, I was I was just about to say, it feels like Draymond Light. Or no, just yeah, just many. Just but, many. like, his, his impact isn't as much defensively and, like... Because he's smaller, he can't wide. guard the, the would, centers the way Draymond can. I would say but his like, impact is the same the defensively, it's not the same offensively. He's not the facilitator Draymond is. Yeah, I was going to say that as well. That's like true. He, he, he's also not, you know, relieving other players of ball handling duty. But the other guy I think of when I think of leadership on that team is Jason Tatum. And we just mentioned before, Ugh. he's still only 19 years old. Is it? Like, I don't is that who you think of? I definitely don't. Well, my man's of, is quiet. Like of people who have leadership qualities, yeah, I think he's somebody who fits that that nature. Why? Because he's mature beyond his years, and he doesn't seem to get like rattled in bigger moments. He's even keeled throughout. I agree with that, but I don't. I mean, he seems like just a little too passive and quiet to be a leader. Yeah, he seems like he goes At about point, his business. Well, and I, there's, like... there's two type of leaders. There's, you know, the leader who's rah-rah, and then there's the leader who goes out there and just does it. You That's know? I point. think that would be Al Horford, though. Mm, well, not when maybe. he's, you know, on the other side of uh, his career peak, you know? so and still looking I, like he wears uh, eyeliner. <laughs> Apparently, but, um, it looks like he's wearing the, eyeliner. But the other thing I was going to say, too, the, the other thing I think is a main fault for him is, like, they're, they're like to me. They're the most balanced team you can think of. Like they play good defense. They can pass. They can shoot. They can play inside. They can play outside. And we often talk of something like that as a strength. 
but I think at some points it could also be a weakness. Like, they don't have a true identity. Their identity is that they are identity-less. They're more, you know, they morph. And I think that's hurting them right now because, you know, like, when when the chips are down and, you know, maybe they're not doing so well on one end of the ball or the other end of the ball, they don't know what to just put all the energy into. Like, like a team like the Nuggets know, hey, you know, we're not having our best night. Let's just go out there and shoot a bunch of threes because we can score 140 points if we get hot. Or the Thunder on the other end of that spectrum, like, let's lock in on defense. Nothing's falling right now. Let's lock in on defense because we're one of the best defensive teams in the league right now. We know that's a, a core strength of ours. So I think they struggle with those two things in addition to what you said. Yeah. But and yeah, it's been bad. Before, before we move on, I just want to say one thing. Marcus Smart – or not – I'm sorry, Marcus Morris. He has been like a low-key leader on this team. 100%. He plays hard. He plays with energy. He plays with passion. And he's been shooting the shit out of the ball. He's shooting forty three percent on five attempts a game from three. I was gonna say so, I'm, I'm, I was upset that we didn't pod last week because I was like I have I have the solution. I know how to fix the Boston Celtics. And my Marcus solution Marcus Morris more minutes. No, my it was close, but it was actually my my solution was gonna be to start Marcus Smart, and it was for the reason you just said. And guess what? The Celtics did it. They did it two games ago. They started Marcus Smart, and it looked better because. With another mouth to feed in the starting lineup, that makes it hard to kind of figure it out early. And their problem has been getting down early. They've been giving up big leads in the first quarter. If you put Marcus Smart in that first quarter starting lineup, all of a sudden you don't need to get him the ball. The ball just kind of finds him and he'll take some stupid shots. But he does so many other things that no one else does that it mm-hmm. it fills out the lineup. It's like, you know, it's going to sound silly, but when you're in playing uh, NBA 2K, my GM mode, and you're filling out your lineup, and, yeah, maybe your best three players are your guard, shooting guard, and small forward. But if they're all offensive players, like, you're going to look, you're going to sim through half your season, and one guy's going to be way below the other three. They just can't get the shots. You move them to the sixth man, you move them into the second unit, and all of a sudden they get all the shots of the second unit, and they're that leader of the second unit. It may hurt at first, but Brad Stevens, the president, the guy who we praised so much last year, he should be the guy who can be like, yo, Jalen Brown, listen, you're coming off the bench, and you could be the guy off the bench, you and Terry, just like last year when everyone was hurt. But we need Marcus Smart in the starting lineup because what does Marcus Smart do in the second unit? Like what does he really do? Like he plays good defense for a second unit that can't score anyway. Like, yeah, he can't. He can't be your number one option. Running. Yeah, put put Marcus Smart's best talents next to the guys who can put the ball in the hoop, and that makes sense to me. I think it's going to work. Um, let's move on though. Let's talk about another little surprise team. I guess maybe a little predictable team. Duff Orlando Magic on you. What do you got? Uh, I believe what I got is an over on the Magic. For 30 wins, was that what they were at? Yeah, maybe 30. So I'm already a third of the way there, and it's only a quarter through the season. I just want to point out that math to everyone. Um, Nikola Vucevic, I definitely mentioned him when I said that they were going to hit the over because that guy's just a pro. And he's one of those guys, I feel like I've had him on every single fantasy team that I've ever done for for basketball because he's put up great numbers. And now, like, people have been throwing his name around there for, like, most improved player. He really hasn't improved. He's just he's done this for like the past four years. It's just a matter of like he he's a better shooter. Like he extended his range, and I think that's really cool to watch. And for him to finally get some notoriety because he's a guy that's been this good for a while. 
but he's just getting a few extra points here and there, shooting threes instead of twos. And I really think that's made a lot of the difference. And I think Steve Clifford has really sort of unlocked something in this team. I, I don't know what it is. I mean, they lost their top assist guy last year, Shelvin Mack, so I don't know how they're surviving without him, really. <laughs> but Was that a joke? I, I, Aaron, what? Was that a joke? Yeah. Okay, good. I wanted to make sure. Remember the Twitter? Remember yeah. the tweet? The yeah. magic tweet? <laughs> oh, yes. Dude, After that was a season, legendary tweet. Yeah, shout out to Shelvin Mack for leading the Orlando Magic in assists this year when he wasn't even yeah. on the team at the end of the year. <laughs> yeah. What team is he even on? I feel like I just Memphis. watched him. Yes. God, fuck Ball, that team. Balling, baby. Sorry, <laughs> um, I cut you off. Go on. It's just awful. Um, But one thing I'm worried about with them, Aaron Gordon, like – put up no points against the the uh, Warriors. And that was a close game, even without him being, like, basically a net zero. Like, I, he might have had, like, plus 11 on the game, but he was, didn't score any points. He had, like, four rebounds. And watching the end of that game, while we were texting, Oracle Arena was petrified. They were absolutely, like, it would have been full. Everyone would have been slamming the panic button if they had lost that game, because it's like, okay, not like, are they going to win the championship? It's like, if Steph doesn't get healthy, like, what do they do? Clearly there's some animosity on this team. Things don't click when they don't have their guys. And do you really want like this, them to just drag through the mud all this time? It was so silent. I've never heard Oracle like so awkward where it was just quiet. They didn't, they were like nervous about cheering. It was like this weird energy. I don't know. I didn't mean to make this about the Warriors, but it shows that, the magic can kind of go into your house and really give you fits, like really make things tough on you. And they're doing it again right now against the Portland Trailblazers, just plus one with four forty left in the game. And um, yeah, I mean Vucevic the other night, dude, was their go-to guy, bro. They were just throwing him the ball in the post and like, Vuce, get us a get us a bucket, and he was. I, I mean, it was funny because that. you were listening to the Magic broadcast and I was listening to the Warriors broadcast. Yes. We were talking about it. And the Warriors broadcast were like, Vucevic again, the hook, it's good. Like, whoa, oh my God, I can't believe this guy keeps scoring on us. And the Magic broadcast was like, Vuce, man, that guy's good. Like, he's doing it again. Yeah, so, they were like, kind of, they were like kind of nervous. They were like, are, are they going to pull us? They like didn't want to jinx it is how they were announcing it. It's like, man, I think they're going to, like, they didn't want to say it. They were, think, they were thinking it like, oh, we're we're going to pull this one out. Like, we're legit. We're going to make the playoffs. And they're like, oh, Kevin Durant, what can you do? One of the best in the business. Clay Thompson just going off per usual. It was like so – it felt really bad, actually, for the Magic <laughs> in that moment. You could feel bad for the Magic at all times, realistically. But now I they- feel like they really played they, – they kind of outplayed them. And then the, at the end of the game, it's just what can you do? Better team won. I mean, Kevin Durant scored 49 points. You're not going to beat them very often when God, Clay Thompson – God, 50 points to beat the Magic. <laughs> when Clay Thompson <laughs> – hits 19 fourth quarter points and KD has 50 points basically it's hard to beat him it's hard to beat him um but the magic have been fun Jonathan Isaac's playing some ball Mo Bamba's playing some ball that's Frank's boy Terrace Ross <laughs> Terrace Ross Ross threw down a absolutely vicious reverse slam in that Warriors game it was insane I couldn't believe that he had enough hang time to throw it down the way he did but anyway speaking of Mo Bamba side note Frank are you sick of that song uh, nah. <laughs> yeah, me neither. It's like I should be, but I'm just really not. Uh, and we got on that like very, real quick. 
Yeah, and I don't listen to it very often, but when it comes on, man, it just, like, evokes a feeling, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's just like, ah, I'm ready to go now, whatever it yeah. is, you know? Before the season even started, I think you were the one who showed me that song. Might have been both. I don't know. Definitely me, but I can't believe, like, the life that that song has taken on. It's insane. We thought it was like, ha, Mo Bamba. Like, no one knows who that is. It's pretty funny. Yeah, man. And then now it's just lighting the world on fire. If we still uh, all live together or live near each other at TCNJ, I'm sure we'd be, uh, you know, participating in some <laughs> adult beverage drinking while we'll listening to that joint. Yeah, yeah, for real. For sure. uh, Going through some floors. Yeah, that was crazy. But, um, Yo, I've been in some parties they- with, like, floors being pretty sketchy. Yeah, yep, I was watching thing. that video. I was giving me flashbacks. <laughs> like, man, thank God that didn't happen to any of those bungalows I partied in in college. <laughs> uh, as a bad, uh, you know, for a bad segue here, a team that needs some juice, a team that needs to maybe enjoy some adult beverages and relax a little bit, might be the Utah Jazz. You know, those Mormons out there in Utah might be stressing people like, out. What are you trying to get them suspended? It's illegal out there. <laughs> yeah, for real. Hey. They can, Jesus. Only, they can only drink beers that are like 3% alcohol or something like that. Something, I wonder if they weird. sell beer at the, at the arena. That's a good question. That's a good, that's a good Someone, question. Someone, our listeners in Utah, tweet at us. I might have to go to a Utah game just to find out. Anyways. Yeah, let's go out there. They need some juice. They need to like take a load off their shoulders because they've been struggling. They are not the defensive stalwart they were last year. Their offense is not great and donovan mitchell's sophomore campaign uh has been a little bit disappointing to be honest and i know in our group chat we've definitely joked on donovan mitchell's uh mouth zipped emoji use right he always likes to post these video uh pictures or tweets and then put the emoji of him with his mouth zipped which is very counterproductive in our eyes which is why we joke about it so much it's like uh, dude, aren't you kind of saying something by putting that emoji out there with a picture of your opponent? Like, what what are you doing here? And it's kind of coming to roost that he's having a down moment this season, and he's getting some hate, some pushback. Who called that? Uh, I was just saying how all three of us called it, but if you want to take no, no, credit. No, 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 that was not all three of us. That was me. Fine, take credit. That was me. What's wrong with Donovan Mitchell? You were riding high on that, and I pointed that out, and I was like, wait for it. It's coming, and it's coming hard. And here it is. Well, explain it. What the hell's going on in Utah with these guys? I don't know. We keep hearing from, like, I think it was Kevin O'Connor and Zach Lowe. They're talking about the defense. Like, their defense is significantly worse in terms of, like, a rating perspective. But they're giving up the same shots. Like, they're taking away the threes. They're not giving up layups. People are just making open mid-range against them, which I think it's – it's weird. Like we talked about this with the Spurs, like who's zigging when everyone else is zagging, blah, blah, blah. It's, maybe it's just that Utah has been so efficient at taking away those shots that other teams know that they're going to get wide open mid range. So maybe they really just lean into that. Is that, I mean, is that a crazy thing to think that these teams would kind of switch up their whole game plan just for this one opponent, but maybe not. And the thing that people keep harping on is they haven't been good at home. Like usually the uh, the Nuggets and the Jazz are the best home teams in the NBA. Like Sands, like Warriors, or any team that LeBron is on, right? So this year they're what? What are they at home? They're like two and something. Two and six. Yeah. Woof! Yeah. I did not realize it was that bad. No, nah, dude. I guess it's, it's been a while since I checked. But it's they're bad. eight and six on the road. That makes no sense. I don't know what's up with that. I don't know what to make of this team. Yeah. This team is way more confused to me than the Celtics. My take on the Jazz right now is 
A, Donovan Mitchell's been hurt. A, he's taking like these shots that we fell in love with last year of his contested long twos and contested threes and crazy finishes in the lane. It's not the most sustainable, and there's going to be ebbs and flows. And he's like, like he said himself, he was kind of in his own head early in the season, just expecting to be that good again. And he put too much pressure on himself. So that's one. And like, guys, you know, I love Joe Ingles as much as the next. Mm. Actually, no, let me change that. I love more him. than the next. I love him more than the next. And if you think you love Joe Ingles more than me, you're wrong. Go home. Uh, <laughs> but like, he's he's awesome when he's your third or fourth guy. But when you rely on him to score like 15, 16, 17 points a night, and when you just expect him to shoot 50% from three, like your offense might be missing some juice, right? Like I love my man some Joe Ingles. But if he's got to be the second best playmaker, sometimes the the main playmaker, and score 17 points a night, like it's not super sustainable. Yeah, no, I I agree. That that was going to be my main point. Uh, no, no slight at my man Joe Ingles. I've kind of, you know, like pseudo fell in love with him through you, just like showing us videos and like talking about him so much. He is the man. That's there's that's undoubted. But um, I'm not so sure you want him to be your second best offensive player. And obviously, offensively is where they've struggled. I think they probably have the most games under a hundred points scored this year. I, I I haven't looked at that, but. I'm willing to bet some cheddar on it. Grizzlies uh, got to be right there with them. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Probably, but at least the Grizzlies win when they score under 100. The Jazz don't. Facts. So, um, yeah, it's, it's weird. It's odd because of how good they were last year, but it makes sense. And I believe they just traded for Kyle Korver. Yes. Um, good, good, oh, yeah, good, we didn't even mention that. Good that shout. Just happened. Um, good shout. Yeah, friend. but I, I'm not sure how much that really helps them long term. I think that's a very short term move on their part. Although I don't, you know, I, I don't hate parting ways at Alex Burks. I think he was kind of a nothing. Yeah, I think it was Burks anyway. in a second rounder, so it's not so, anything crazy. Yeah, but you're getting a low impact player at the end of his career anyway. But he kind well, of. I don't know. He if, kind if, of like, we just role. talked about. He kind of fills a role for them that they need right now as a guy who could just spread the floor and shoot a little bit, help them score a little. Right. When and we just talked about how Jingles has been struggling a little. So now you inject Corver and he's playing for a team that should be in the hunt for a playoff spot, and they are. They're like I'm talking like they're a million games back. They're two and a half back from the playoff spot. So this could be like a really key moment for for Corver to come in with some younger players and really step up and be a leader. Like I think that's the type of guy. That, that he could be just a consummate professional, goes about his business and really does positive things on a night-to-night basis so that he's always a plus for your team. You know, maybe not on the defensive end, but this is a good defensive team. Like, that's the one thing I expect will will even, kind of yeah, correct we'll itself. Like, we've, for sure. everyone has talked about that to death, like how they, they're giving up the, the correct, you know, quote-unquote the right shots, right? So I think... In the long term, he actually will be good for them later in the season. Thinking like post, all like post trade deadline, that that that's when they're going to start to maximize and put it all together. That's what it was last year, right? So absolutely, I think they're they're a team built for the second half when people start getting tired, and then Gobert continues to block shots and they continue to rough people up inside. Uh, but also, wait, since I kind of took a shot, not a shot, but since I kind of negatively spoke on Joe Ingles, let me just say this. This goes to show how good you are when his, quote, down season from three-pointer is 39%. Yeah. 
So he's still. I mean, what was, he was unconscious last year. Was he like forty five? He shot forty two. He shot forty two percent or higher from three the past three seasons in a row. Yeah, he was forty four flat out forty four percent last year. Oh God, what a beast! Love him. Uh, anyways, let's move on because we got to finish this thing off pretty soon. We got to say goodbye to the Sports Blog New York podcast listeners, Duff Frank and Pete here in the house. Uh, do, do we have time to talk about Dennis Schroeder? We don't have time. We don't. I'm sorry. Just no, Let's no. just say he's good and he wanted to get out of Atlanta so he could play meaningful basketball. And so far, like, he's really backed it up. That's all. I, I just wanted to point that out. Yes. Oh, I appreciate that. Like, people stamp their feet and say we need to be better and blah, blah, blah. He's really backed that up this season, and he's and he's done a good job. And, so uh, I, I just want to give him props for that. I'll add to that. He has given them the secondary playmaker that they've needed since Kevin Durant has left to the point where Russell Westbrook can look a guy in the eye and say, you know what, if you have the ball in your hand for a few minutes and I don't, that's okay. That's I'm okay with me. <laughs> what? Yeah. And props to you, Pete. You you saw that when Schroeder was like a rook. Yo, I've been on Schroeder for so long that I had to like jump off because like I I was hyping him up as like a guy who's gonna be a starter in the league one day or could be a solid player because he's like a twentieth pick. You know, you 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 don't want to hype those guys up too hard where people are thinking you're saying there's a superstar. But I knew he had some some juice. He had some talent. And turns out his game might be a little more scoring than I thought. I thought it was more facilitating. But the mm-hmm. dude, the dude can do good things with the basketball in his hand, and he just sneak- gets to the basket at will. Absolutely, sneaky at in the passing will. lanes, yeah. and the fact that Russell Westbrook has been playing off the ball might be the best thing that ever happened to the Thunder. And we talked about this before the pod started. Uh, the the Thunder are a defensive team. They play great defense, yep. and if Paul George, Russell Westbrook, Schroeder, and Stephen Adams can put the ball in the hoop a little bit, they're a scary team, and they are one of the more ingrained playoff teams in the West, if you ask me. Like, one of the teams I expect or would put my money on to be a playoff team no matter what. Yeah, for sure. Uh, just to, like, quickly hit on this, I, I have them as my predictable. The Thunder are my predictable this year. So, you know, they're, they're kind of in a spot where we predict, uh, predicted top three in the West. They kind of shared up roster, I think. Top four. Uh, they shared sh- up roster, loose ends, you know, got rid of Melo. Brought in a little bit more youth and, you know, things they needed. Guys like Nerland Noel and Schroeder that you mentioned before. Um, but, like, one thing I want to mention, too, uh, you keep mentioning it, obviously, but they're kind of a defensive identity team, and they don't even have their best defensive player yet. So uh, I'm expecting big things, and I'm really excited to see what this team's going to do when Andre Roberson comes in because their defensive identity is only going to get that much stronger when you add a guy who's easily a first-team all-defense when healthy. So, And also, when Russell Westbrook regresses to the mean, and in his case specifically, that means he'll get better, you know, because his mean is like, what, 33% from three? My man is shooting 18% from three. Like, horrendous Oof. from three, Oof. right? So, like, that's really, really bad. If he regresses to the mean and starts shooting 30% from three... That's going to help them a lot, like low-key. Yeah. It, do- it doesn't yeah, sound think- like a lot, but when you're taking like six threes a game and you're shooting 18%, like, ooh. <laughs> Is he yeah. taking six? Oh, I don't Probably. I don't really know. I just I made a number up off the top of my head. I'll check for you real quick. But just think, it doesn't sound like a lot. Four and a half. To go Four from, even still though, 30%, the, the that, that means he's hitting that. one and a half a game. The, the other thing I'll say about that is this year he's taking more catch and shoot kind of to the point you alluded to uh, with Schroeder handling the ball a little bit. And 
I feel like the two are very different, shooting off the dribble and shooting off of catch and shoot. So, like, you know, I expect it to uptick as he gets more opportunities. Does that make sense? Yeah. For not, who? For Russell. For Russell. Yeah. Yeah. Gets a little more comfortable with the ball back again, or maybe a little more comfortable off the ball if he continues to yeah, do Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying, off the ball. Because, I mean, years pass. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen Russ take, like, a standstill three like he has this year. Yeah, it almost never happens. And like I yeah, said, I his, his career three-point percentage is, double-checked it, is 31%. So if he regresses to that, that's a step in the right direction for him. be very nice to yeah, see. For sure. All right, Duff. Can I, can, can I hit my good one more good real quick? I'll be quick on it. Yeah, for sure, man. For sure. All right, so uh, trying to give some more love to somebody that I've probably liked longer than most people. Um you know, early in his career, people hated on him a lot because he was a giant who just didn't rebound really and was not a – he blocked shots, but he's not really a, an impactful defender for a guy of his size. But Brooke Lopez in Milwaukee has been a big part of that team's leap forward this year, along with Chris Middleton and obviously all that other stuff. But um, just one thing Dante I wanted to Dante mention – Dante DiVincenzo, I mean, he's, all of them. He's been there's, okay. a, there's a reason that team across the board is performing so much better than last year at this point of the season. Um, but just the one thing I wanted to note, he's got his highest three-point percentage of his career so far. He's shooting 37.3%. And he's also at his career high in attempts per game at 6.7. So uh, Nothing like a seven-foot floor spacer. Yeah, it's impressive to say the least. And with a team with another seven footer that can handle the ball and really dominate inside, uh, bringing your center out to the three point line, like such an important dynamic to that Bucks team that I think doesn't get enough love from, you know, whoever media podcast, whatever you want to say, just maybe fans in general, like Brooke Lopez being able to bring the other big all the way to the three point line and make him have to respect his three point shooting. Like that's huge for Giannis that, that opens up, more That's why he's been think. such a beast at the rim because they've just been shooting more threes around him. They have to respect all these floor spacers. Yeah, and for sure. Been, and like, I mean, so when you dominant. think about it, like really, there's one position in the league that can bang with Giannis down low, and that's centers. He's yep. even, you know, he's long enough and strong enough to beat most power forwards, uh, either one way or the other. And uh, when when Brooks got the other center and winger and over and you know over in no man's land, twenty feet away from the basket, like. That's opening it up for your star player, for sure. And Frank, let me give you one more number that's going to highlight what you're talking about here. So when Brooke Lopez was back in New Jersey or Brooklyn and he was averaging 20 points a game and he was the guy, this wouldn't have been a good number. But being the floor spacer on a Giannis-led team, this is an amazing number. Ready for this? Mm-hmm. 73% of his shots. So of all the shots that Brooke Lopez takes, 73% of them are three-pointers. That's an incredible that. clip. And just for reference, like Steph, Steph Curry shoots about 55% of his shots from three. So Brooke Lopez is letting them rip, and he's good Talk at it. green light. So he, he shot that's 40. That's like Kyle Korver percentage from three. Like, that's insane. Dude, that's like Wayne Ellington. Exactly. Kyle Korver percentage. Anthony like, Morrow. Like, he's just <laughs> letting them rip. And then he shoots the rest of the shots, basically, from within two feet. I mean, within, within three probably. feet. No, basically, he either shoots from within three feet, so at the rim, those little baby hooks, or he shoots from three. And that's either a 66% shot for him within three feet, or like you said, 
30 uh 35 percent or 37 yeah 37 here that's that's awesome that's great to have for Giannis. you could you couldn't beat it that's a great shout by you frank yeah i wanted to throw that in there for sure i was i was i was thinking about throwing it in after the vucevic but uh i was too slow so i had to get it in now shout out shout out you frank shout out brooke lopez now john lucas duffy left a surprise on the table for me and Frank here that we do not know where he's going with this. So it better be good. He wanted to keep it a surprise because we shared all of our goods, our bads, and predictables. But Duff, take us home. What is your last surprise for us? So we've alluded to it, and Catward <clears throat> doesn't have a lot to do with it, but I alluded to his theory earlier. Like, bad. Parody. I'm so over parody a quarter of the way through the season like oh my god all the nfl fans who were like yeah but you know who's gonna win the finals blah 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 like what's the point i'm so fucking done with like the clippers being the best team in the west the grizzlies just dominating everyone or like like it just makes me like cringe like the utah jazz are 10 and 12 like the hornets and the pistons ahead of the celtics while the magic are in the playoffs like all that shit i'm over it I'm over it. I like I need these teams to start stepping up. Like Celtics got to figure it out. There's something about watching good teams really dominate and exploit bad teams in the NBA that I just enjoy. I I like for things to make sense and to have order. Like if I watch a movie where I don't know the ending and or it doesn't make sense or it's a cliffhanger, it drives me up a fucking wall for like a week. And like the movie Memento, I hate that. <laughs> and my brother knows it because we watched it together, and I was like, that was the worst movie. I hate it. We talked about it for like four days afterward. <laughs> and that's how I feel about this season. Like, I don't know what the playoff picture is going to look like. I don't know what's going to happen when we get to the playoffs because it keeps – it just feels weird. Like, there's no one to this point that really feels like they have a stranglehold on the MVP, which like, okay, we're only a quarter of the way through the season. But last year, it was like, it's Harden. And then the year before that, Westbrook was averaging a triple-double, and a lot of people jumped on that bandwagon. So it's kind of counterintuitive to the things that we've learned over the past few years. And if this, like, drudges along here, I don't know what's going to happen when we get to the playoffs and everything gets weird and murky and teams are playing on edge rather than free and easy. Like, it feels tense when i watch these games i don't know is that just me does anyone else feel that tension i i think that's a good thing but yeah, you still like, want the good teams to show out so i hear you and I, i'm i'm with you i think parody is one of the most overrated things in sports like everyone sells themselves on parody in the nfl and the mlb but yet when the freaking royals make this the world series like nobody cares like literally nobody cares about the kansas city royals so, yeah, I, like I said before, when it comes to Eastern Conference Finals, I want to see Celtics-Raptors or Raptors-Bucks or Six, Sixers versus Celtics or something of those four teams showing out and showing out. And in the West, I want the Warriors and the best competitor. We happen to not know who the best competitor to the Warriors is yet, right? So It might be the Thunder. It, it might, might be. be the Lakers if they make a trade. Mm. Like I, once, I really think it's going to be like after Christmas, after New Year's that's really when it's going to start to open up that December 15th deadline that we were talking about earlier where more people can get traded and some pieces get moved around and teams will really start to take shape. It really feels like in recent years, last year, especially when you think about the Sixers and the buyout market, like people are really forming their teams on the fly. And I think this year is going to be a crazy grab bag in trades and buyouts. And like, think of how many people 
have mentioned like teams that need Trevor Ariza, yeah. the Lakers, the Sixers, real, the yeah. fucking Rockets. Shocker. Like, <laughs> like all these teams that could really just use a Trevor, like who, and who knows if he gets bought out and he wants to go on the cheap, like maybe the Warriors smash, like snatch him up, like trade for anyone, anyone on the Clippers, like that will make your team better. Like if Gallinari stays healthy, why not trade for him? Like, Oh, yeah, and I, I, I really hope the Clippers are sellers at the market. The expiring contracts this year are going to be wild. So basically what you're saying here, Duff, is that Woj— And there's so many free agents next year. So like that's why I feel like everything can move around. Like The, the Wizards are basically selling their team off for parts openly in front of everyone. They're just like a street vendor. Like, yeah, you wanted some of this garbage I found in the alley? Like, come take it. I don't care. <laughs> I don't know what to make of anything. Like, the Wizards have always been— like, oh, man, they can't get over the hump, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, they beat the bad teams, but they can't play up to the competition, but they have this certain edge, and maybe if they put it all together, like, this year, it's like, nope, they just fucking blow, and I don't know what we're going to do about it. So, basically, you're saying that Woj should take a couple naps now, because starting, like, December 15th, he's screwed. Rest up, Woj. Rest, I'm praying for you, buddy. Rest up, Woj. I, I'm with rest you, up. You know what, he's though? Grew up in... He grew up in Connecticut, but he's, he spent a lot of time in Jersey. North Jersey. He wrote for the Berg and Record. I think he still li- lives in North Jersey, by the way. Shout out North Jersey, I Shout guess. Out Actually, Wolf. no. Heck you, North Jersey. I'm kidding. Um, no, fuck you, But bro. the thing uh, is, Duff, you know what? The NFL can sell Blake Bortles in the AFC Championship game because it's one game. And you're like, wow, maybe the Jaguars' defense is just good enough to where they can beat the Patriots on one given Sunday. But if we had to watch a best of three, best of five, or best of seven of Blake Bortles, oh my God, like just ma- rip my hair out and make me bald right, right now. Right, right. And like, that's the difference that you can sell. It's only 16 games. This is 82 of these motherfuckers. Like, let's get it going. I need, <laughs> like, let's get it going here, people. That's I feel like this, this, this season has been some weird kind of grind because no one can figure anything out. Everything's a question mark. Like, I need there to be a handful of teams like, all right, what do they need to do to really kick it into gear? Who do they need to get? Like that type of stuff. Like this is just every team is a question mark. Like the Blazers have been good, but they were the same thing last year, and then they got swept in the first round. But the team they got swept by isn't even projected to make it to the playoffs right now. And then the Timberwolves traded away Jimmy Butler, who's a top twelve, top fifteen player, but they've won seven of their last uh, or ten, and they've played like eight games without him. Beast crazy to, to this point so basically it's that crazy. whole win streak has been without jimmy butler yeah you know what uh, it's why we it's why we love it and we hate it let's be real because we love this stuff we love the muck but we also want to see good basketball and that's what we got warriors warriors uh, raptors on thursday night by the way yeah but right. steph's not gonna play is draymond gonna play maybe so maybe Kawhi and the raptors will manhandle the warriors we'll see or maybe durant drops 55 on his head who knows like uh, they might probably. just get manhandled they really might yeah, like it's um, in it's in Toronto. Like Toronto might win that game by like twenty, and then KD and Clay just like don't play in the fourth quarter. Wow, and that's not fun. Yeah. Wow, I need Steph back. That's what it is. Like there's, it seems to be like he was really what was making the beginning of the season so fun. Like him and Clay, like the, just the Warriors in general. There's a spectacle every night. Maybe I'm just spoiled. Maybe I'm just used to that over the past four years. You're also not a hater of greatness, like many people are. That's yeah, yeah. So I'm not like one of these bottom fan of like a what do you bottom got, Frank? team. What do you got? Uh, no, I was just gonna say, you know, definitely have not 
not enjoyed the Warriors losing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Frank's a man of the people, bro. Me and Duff are sitting here on our high horse waiting for the good teams to be good, and Frank's like, yo, fuck the Warriors. <laughs> I got voodoo dolls of, like, four of the five Warriors starting lineup, and I just, like, I don't do anything bad, but I just whisper dissension-esque things into their ears. Just try Damn, to... why would you do that to Damian Jones? Dude. I know you're not doing it to Clay. I swear to God. Yeah, there's no Clay's way. The Clay's the only guy I'm yeah, not. Tech Clay. Of course, of course. It's what Clay. did Damian Jones do? Uh, he he beat the Knicks. He beat the Knicks. So that's God what he's damn. got going on for him. Well, goddamn uh, boys. Se- quick segue off of that because you mentioned the team with the fire sale. My bad player for the year, John Wall. Um, his descent has. It's actually kind of startling. It's been so fast. He went from, you know... We talked about this last year. Yeah, we did. But, like, he went from pretty consistent all-star. And him and Bradley Beal were all-stars together for the first time, like, two years ago or something like that. But, like, I feel like John Wall's an an undesirable. You don't want him on your team. I think he would be, like... We talked about it last year, that he was going to be making $47 and how bad that contract was. We talked... We fucking everyone just jumped on that this year. Fucking just listen to the outsiders. You want the takes? Jesus Christ! Like, well, yeah, we've been here. I'm so sick of listening to other podcasts say and, like repeat and, what yeah. we said. Yeah, you know how I said uh, before. You know, you never you'll never be mad about something if you overpay for it, but you love it. No one's gonna love paying John Wall forty five million dollars in four years. No, no, no absolutely no. nobody. He's the exception to the rule. That. Yeah, no, because you know it's it is the rule. You feel like you overpay him because you're not gonna love having him. So, you know, if you pay Kevin Durant $45 million a year, you're going to love him because he's going to be really good at basketball. But John Wall's going to make your team hate each other and also not be that good at winning basketball games. So you're not going to love him. And that's yeah. it's that simple. And maybe, like, when, when people start asking you about how much you party, like, bi-weekly, like, maybe that's a sign to, like, party a little bit less or like maybe make or at least just be like further effort. yeah like make a further effort to maybe conceal yourself while you are out like yeah you can't be out there making a fool of yourself you know and you know who Come on, John. that's that's Come for on. us to do that's for us to go out and make fools of ourselves for us people who no one cares about who have a, a snapchat of me goes viral me sleeping on a bar no one's gonna care except for maybe my parents if they happen to see it which they won't because they're not on the internet <laughs> But you know who cares? I'm retired. You know, you know who cares if uh, John Wall is out partying? The person who pay is paying him forty million dollars a year. He's gonna and really the care about that. Entire fan base. Like, yeah. <laughs> just having bleeding down your neck, like. Oh man. Not a good thing to have. All right, boys. This has been a fun episode. We talked about like literally so much. Uh, what did what did we we didn't talk about the Raptors really? We mentioned them a couple times, but like we talked about like you know everything. After that I feel like Haley O'Shaughnessy owes me a written apology for how many Raptors games I watched last year because she wouldn't stop talking about them. And Ra- then they Ra- got swept in the playoffs, and hey. I was just, like, furious. Raptors were fun last year. I, I, they were they were a good team to watch last year. Don't get it twisted, though. They're more fun this year. Facts. Kawhi. And we still didn't talk about them. Kawhi. And Nick – Wait. Fucking wait. Dwayne Casey wait. wins Coach of the Year. Motherfucker was the second best coach on his damn staff. Like, <laughs> wait, we forgot something really important. We should have opened with this. I blew it, guys. Kawhi Leonard signed with New Balance. That's not been official yet. He came out publicly and said it hasn't been official, I guess. That's why he did an interview in socks, apparently. Like he did. 
I, is that what he did? Yeah, he, oh he, my God. he like didn't wear his Jordans, but he didn't have on New Balance because his shoes like might not that. be ready. That's like, crazy. Because they're going to give him... Like, how is, he, how is Puma not like snatched him up? That's my question. They probably pitched him, but they're going for more low-key guys who aren't demanding as much money, but will give him some splash and upside. But like you, he he might win the MVP this year. Like How does Puma not jump on that? Like, the biggest star they have is in street clothes until February. Like... Yeah, I mean, That's a good point. I don't disagree with you, but uh, your your man's Pete was telling me how he picked up a couple of pairs of New Balance the other day. So, yo, they're I fresh. I don't know if there's anybody in the world more hyped than this right now. They're fresh, my boy, bro. My boy Pete over here. I'm for sure. No, I saw the picture. I'm, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to throw any shade at the shoe. I'm just saying I think your investment value has like tripled in, in in very short period in cloud. Of time, period. your investment in the cloud i mean you guys yeah, tell dude. me you guys tell me i buy two pair of new balance and then one week later Kawhi leonard gets signed a coincidence or come on I, I maybe i'm just an influencer know, i'm actually pretty salty of your betrayal of uh the air monarch brand from uh spice adams yo and new, creamy bigums new balance are basic <laughs> are basically they're basically monarchs monarchs might be ripping off new balance if you think about it a hundred percent they are, but like the the fact that you betray the brand like that makes me feel kind of upset. <laughs> You're right. And you know what? This conversation is getting a little too ridiculous to continue on the air. We can continue off the air and continue to have the fun as we always do. Well, hopefully you guys had some fun with us here on the NBA Outsiders edition of the Sports Blog New York podcast. Any last words before we say goodbye finally? Uh I'm pretty tired. I'm good. A good yawn by Frank. Uh, Duff, what do you got for us? <laughs> uh, magic, only down two against the uh, Trailblazers. Three minutes left. Pointless. Thanks for nothing. <laughs> stupid, stupid statement. Shadow Magic. We were just you talking about you closed magic. out the podcast with a stupid statement. Get out of the Discord. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs>